Welcome to the Haunted Hangover Podcast. I'm Louie, and as always, I'm joined by my bud Dave. Yo. So, Dave. So, Louie. It's that time of the year where we yep. uh, give thanks to all the things we're grateful for. Always. What, what's something you're grateful for this year? Honestly? Yes. Sheila Marie. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. My girlfriend <laughs> Sheila, one million fucking percent. <laughs> um, it's so funny. I'm pretty sure our listeners know a ton about Sheila. <laughs> I, that's, I love it. <laughs> she always always comes up. I, and I knew, I knew you were going to say she was the thing you're grateful for. And that's, that's, that's my, great. That's, that's amazing. That's mi amor bello. Baby girl. <laughs> that's it. What about you? I, I too, am grateful for uh, my lady, fiance, and she deserves it. Yes, she's she's amazing. I'm grateful. She's uh, great. Grateful for my bud, you, for doing okay. this shit with me every uh, okay every month. And I I'm just uh, that. I'm grateful for uh, all the listeners that listen to us ramble and talk shit. <laughs> so, thank you, y'all. Thank you, guys, for. Uh, for putting up with us and, and, and enjoying our show and digging, digging yep. what we do. And, um, you know, I, I believe last year we touched on how there's a lack of Thanksgiving films in general, not just horror. Like just like I, the only one I could think of is uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles with uh, John Candy. You've seen that, right? I've actually never seen it. I know it. You know what it is. I, I know though, it's right? a yeah. movie that's very, very, very highly regarded, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it's one of the more popular uh, Thanksgiving films, and obviously the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving Day uh, special, which I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with when comparing it mm-hmm. to the Halloween Great Pumpkin uh, special. Which I've seen ma- it before. Which makes sense. No, I've I've seen it too, but yeah. I'm just not as. Like, if someone were to ask me, like, what's something that happens, a scene or a joke or something from that, you know, Peanuts uh, Thanksgiving episode, I'd be completely lost and I wouldn't be able to uh, answer that. Got it. And, uh, and last year, we uh, talked about Thanksgiving, a, oh, yeah. a classic in uh, modern <laughs> horror. <laughs> yep. And we were discussing, we were like, what, what should we do this year? Like, what should we talk about? Because we were like, oh, maybe we'll do Thanksgiving 3 because they skipped part 2. <laughs> I love that. And, and I was looking into it. I was like doing some research. I was like, what should we do? I was like, you know what? Let's save uh, Thanksgiving 3 for another year, another Thanksgiving in the future. Because I think it was just a little re- repetitive if we go back into that world with the uh, killer turkey. Sure. Then I was like, all right, maybe we could do an episode of a TV show that has Thanksgiving in it. And I was like, "Ah, it'd be fun to do a movie. We don't review movies that often on the podcast. Only only a few from time to time. And it's just always fun to kind of dissect a film. But, you know, in this research, on my journey looking for something for us to talk about, I discovered a new film. Well, kind of new. Last year, 2020, called The Last Thanksgiving. And you had never yeah. heard of this movie at all. It honestly looks like it came out in the early 2000s. It has that feel. Like, it doesn't feel like a modern movie at all. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it has that, like, indie, micro-budget feel. 
for sure. Right. Which I am quite familiar with myself personally. Sure. So, so when I was watching the trailer, I sent it to you and I was like, dude, what do you think of this? And you were like, it looks like fun. The trailer, and I'll be honest, before we dive into this, uh, into this movie, because that's what we're going to be talking about, The Last Thanksgiving, the trailer doesn't really do the movie justice. It makes the movie look shittier than it actually it definitely, is. It definitely does. And by the way, Louie and I, and this is, the, this is the truth, we have not discussed our opinions on this movie. So literally... We are going to be talking about this movie like without knowing what we think of it. <laughs> and what did you th- when I sent you that trailer and I was like, dude, I'm I'm thinking of uh, us covering this on the podcast. What did you think of it? What was your initial thought oh, on like, the last thing? And, and what you, wh- one of the selling points for me was that it was under an hour and a half. I was like, okay, this is good. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I was into it. It looked fun. It looked entertaining, and uh, that was it. That was enough for me to know that it was under a half under an hour and a half. And that it looked entertaining. <laughs> and we're, we're both slasher movie fans. We've talked about it on the podcast. It's like you can't really... You, you can... I shouldn't say you can't fuck up a slasher film because you totally can. But I feel like in 2020, 2021, if you want to make a fun slasher film with just a dude in a mask or a group of people killing teens or college age students there's always there's always a form of fun there's an element of fun sure. in that genre so it's kind of hard to kind of like just completely bash it right. and make it N- like a piece miss of it shit. yeah and and i'll be honest before before i go into our five minute breakdown which we'll also explain that very briefly before we we do it but you know my me myself <clears throat> my first forte into the world of independent film was co-writing a micro budget slasher film so i was kind of on the fence because i was like i don't want to watch this movie i was scared i was like i don't want to watch this movie and fucking hate it and then like bash it when i made a a shitty slasher movie or helped create a shitty slasher movie myself (laughs) (laughs) you know so i was like it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to talk shit when people have talked shit about my stuff, rightfully so, because I don't, I don't blame them for the shit talk uh, that I've seen on uh, Letterboxd and IMDb and on Amazon for uh. hating the movie I co-wrote at this point. It's fucking almost 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I just, again, it being a Thanksgiving film and it being that time of the year, I was like, you know what? We should, we should totally just talk about it. And it'd be just kind of fun from the perspective of like a filmmaker who's made this type of movie himself, and I know the struggle of it, and then you being a huge fan of it, scoring, you know, yeah. films yourself, very much in the style of what they do in this movie. And I don't want to get into that now. We'll get into it later on. But yeah, I just thought it'd be an interesting uh, dissection of a more modern, sure. micro-budgeted, like, you know, thanksgiving themed slasher film which there aren't many now the five minute breakdown is our is our new format that we explained on our patreon as kind of a test run it was because in the it debuted on patreon we were like there's a smaller audience over there so we could test it out work out the kinks and we've discussed it and we've we've kind of you know figured that whole situation out 
But basically what, what it is is Dave and I will break down the entire film in five minutes or less in our own style. In the past, we do a kind of very long-winded breakdown of the film that we're covering or TV show, like every nook and cranny. And it, it could become a little tedious, maybe even a little boring. Um, if you enjoyed the old format, please let us know. Leave us a comment on Instagram. You know, review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Let us know if you prefer how we used to review and break down films that we covered on the show. But since this is our first, you know, five-minute breakdown, we thought, you know, why not do it for Thanksgiving? People are more forgiving <laughs> during this holiday, during the holiday season. I hope so. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. But yeah, let's get into the last Thanksgiving. Let's do it. You can't seriously expect me to go to work on Thanksgiving. No other paying customers come through the door, then you can all go after we tidy up. Are you open? There are no Thanksgiving songs because no one wants to write one about an outdated, hypocritical appropriation fest. Have you ever seen anything so beautiful? So, The Last Thanksgiving was written and directed by, and I'm definitely going to butcher this last name, Eric Lorink? Lorink? Lornick? <laughs> I didn't look. I didn't even look. Sorry, Eric. I, I can't I help you out there. I, I guarantee I, I fucked up your last name. But yeah, Lorink. L-O-R- I-N-C, I believe is how it's spelled. Lorink. Um, Lorink it, sounds, sounds good. Close enough. <laughs> it was released in October of 2020. Uh, the, in, the information I found on the web, it was, uh, it was a part of the Salem Horror Film Festival, which is a relatively new like independent mm-hmm. film festival in Salem, Massachusetts. So I thought that was really cool that it's, Literally last a year ago, basically, is when this film debuted. Uh, they did get distribution, so this is available on Amazon and things like that. You can find digital. That's where I watched it. I watched it on Amazon, so it's pretty, it's pretty easy to find. It stars a bunch of relatively unknowns, except for Linnea Quigley, who we all know and love. She's got yep. a very kind of smallish role in this film it's it's almost pointless and we'll talk about that uh, it, it is and honestly she was probably only thrown into the movie just to get people to watch it to see you know her name shows for up. sure for sure it's gonna attract people so and on the subject of Lanea quickly before i get into the actual breakdown of the film listen man she's been making these type of she's been popping up in these type of movies for years even before, like, yeah. you know, she, in the 80s with Night of the Demons and Return of the Living Dead and shit like that, she was huge. Like, she was in all these movies. But then later on in her career, in, like, the 90s, she popped up in some, you know, much smaller right. films. And, so I just think it's really cool that her, she still does her it. And rounds you know? in, 
Exactly. So she's in her 60s, man. She's 63 years old and still doing her. this. Yeah, which is cool, yeah. you know. And she looks great for 60. She's 63. She's almost seen yeah. a citizen. Looks good for her, you know. She looks good for her age. She looks great. Still looks like Linnea Quigley. It's, you know, you yep. can tell it's her. As soon as she walked into the frame, I was like, there's Linnea Quigley. So there that's awesome. So the film opens up with Lisa Marie. She's a bratty college age <laughs> girl. That's how I took it. Not a teenager. She's an adult for sure, right? You'd agree with me, right? That she's- oh, 100%. I, I literally have in my notes, Lisa Marie sucks. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll be getting to that later. <laughs> her parents are having a, conversa- a conversation about her being late for work. And we get the sense that Lisa Marie isn't exactly happy about having to work on Thanksgiving or where she is in life. It's kind of like I'm an adult now and life sucks and shit's not going the way I want. That's kind of how I took it. It's funny, too, because her parents aren't even phased by like her having to go to work right. on Thanksgiving. Like I remember growing up, my mom would always be like, you have to work on Thanksgiving? Or like when I worked retail, I'd be like, yeah, mom, but I'll be there by five. So I just find it odd how her parents are just kind of right. like, you need to be responsible and work. <laughs> like make the proper decisions in life. So dumb. <laughs> that was kind of like their reasoning behind it, like be an adult. And, and her mother even calls her a bitch, going back to what you just insinuated that she sucks. So it's that serious. I guess her parents don't fucking like her. That's, that's kind of what, what <laughs> I took it as. Right? Like, I was like, yeah. damn, mom. Mom doesn't fucking like you, but for very good reason. <laughs> so then we're introduced to the Brims- Brimston family. I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I didn't even know. I, honestly, I, do, I wasn't even paying attention to their names. <laughs> um, go ahead. Th- that's what they're called. The Brim I don't, Brimston I didn't know that. family. That's the name of the family itself. And it's made up of a bunch of siblings. You've got Kurt, who's kind of like the male leader of this family. One of the brothers, the male kind of like... Yeah tough i guess kind of like the smarts behind the family then you've got trip who's the muscle of this family right and he's dressed in like this pilgrim type outfit with a mask and like a pilgrim hat we learn later on that he's deformed kind of like jason yeah Vorhees. and he's a big he's a big dude too it's not like he's yes. just a regular like built person he's definitely a bigger guy yes then you've got Maggie, who's just like family member three. She's got like short blonde hair and just looks. A.K. I was I was calling her <laughs> Billy Idol in the movie. I just kept saying yes, she Billy, like Billy Idol. Idol. Yeah, that's kind of I kind of got that. That I, I I can see that. Then you've got Cordelia, who is the motherly figure of the family, like the female leader of this group of siblings. You got that vibe. Like she's the first one. She kind of has all the exposition with Kurt. They kind of drive the story along when it comes to the Brimston family. And this family turns out these guys are cannibals <laughs> and, they, and they plan on finding a feast of people to eat on Thanksgiving. That's right. kind of their deal. And we learn why they're doing this 
a little later. We jump to Lisa Marie getting to her job, which is at a restaurant named Dairy. I just thought of it when I saw that. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. Dairy, like in like Pennywise and it and all that. Uh, there we meet a colorful group of characters, all of which are her co-workers for the most part. Um, and all of them are very unhappy about working on Thanksgiving, too. Of course. I would be, too. <laughs> Everyone is tight. They're all just kind of grumpy, in a shitty mood, except for the owner of the place, for some fucking reason. Right. It's really odd. But but here are, here are the, the group of characters. I, I'm going to call this the staff of the dairy restaurant. Sure. You've got the gothy, rebellious girl by the name of Trudy. You've got the gay best friend type of guy. His name's Eddie. Then you've got Eddie's crush, Tyler. Then you've got the cooks. You got Miss Perez and and Mrs. Kim, I believe, are the names of the two cooks because they're just wearing aprons and you meet them. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun, those two characters. Then you've got the restaurant owner, Mr. Pearl, and his his like father who's in a wheelchair who's just Mr. Yep. Pearl Sr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you've got the annoying customer named Paulette, who is played by Linnea Quigley. I love how she's just yep. the annoying the annoying customer that That's it. shows up. The only customer on Thanksgiving to show up and eat in this restaurant, and they're not very happy about it. There's also like this brief subplot with Lisa Marie's boyfriend, Buddy, who works at like a nearby movie theater that's screening Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, and he wants to be a screenwriter or some shit. It's not fully fleshed out at all. It's like the weakest aspect of the movie because it's like brushed over. So I have an idea of why that was even introduced into the film, but I'll say it later on because it was one of my favorite moments of the movie. Ah, I can't wait to hear that because... I was sure. just like, this is an underwritten character. That's basically. I know. I totally, I totally agree with you. But I, I'll, again, I'll, I'll give my thoughts once we get towards the, uh, the end. But yeah, in a nutshell, all of these characters are there to be brutally slaughtered. Uh, we get a scene where, where uh, Cordelia breaks down her family murdering a couple in real time, which I'll be honest is very well done. Like how they edited right. that together, like her talking about what her family does on Thanksgiving to get these bodies so they can eat them. She also talks to someone off screen in another room. And this person that's off screen is celebrating a one year anniversary of something. We're not quite sure what it is yet. So Kurt makes his way to Derry, pretending to be uh, like looking for work. In actuality, he's just infiltrating the restaurant to find the humans. I guess, I guess, use the staff. Surveying. Yeah, he's surveying it to kind of. I guess he, his plan was to kill half of the staff and then take the other half to 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 use them as the main course. Back to the house. Yeah, back to the house right. as the main course of this Thanksgiving feast that they're having. The rest of the Brimstone family show up and begin killing off the staff at the restaurant one by one. Some of the surviving staff, Lisa Marie, Eddie Tyler, Miss Perez, are able to fight back and escape the restaurant 
but are captured and brought back to the brimstone's house or home to be prepared as dinner. (laughs) Kurt and Cordelia explain to the survivors in a very kind of like big, bad James Bond villain way. They have this long exposition, which I'll be honest, in my notes, I didn't write it all down, but they explain to them that they, they want them to call their families because they didn't appreciate them and worked like on on Thanksgiving. There's like this right, there's, right. there's 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 another aspect which I'm about to get to of why they're doing this cannibal shit, but that's like one of the reasons behind this like not appreciating your family or some bullshit and like they all get a phone call one by one to like tell the person like I love you and I'm never going to see you again because they're about to be dinner. But the real reason why this cannibalistic family is doing this is because they have a great ancestor by the name of Abigail who was a passenger on the Mayflower and coordinated the first Thanksgiving. Long story short, she didn't That's have enough history. food. Yeah, oh dude, I'm I'm doing this quick cuz there's a lot to this like fucking monologue that they give but yeah long story short she didn't have enough food to feed all the pilgrims so she killed off a bunch of native americans and used them as food but didn't tell anyone because apparently the the taste of human flesh is very similar to like deer and turkey and shit venison venison which i believe is deer um and throughout the years she continued this tradition and then future generations kept it up they also explain how like they would f- like fill like they would force other people this is where it gets a little convoluted but they'd force other people to join in on the celebration of eating people and if right. they didn't do it, they'd make them a part of the family or some shit or like, def- like yeah. deform them. That's kind of what I got. But yeah, Lisa Marie is able to cut herself free from this chair she's tied up in. Tied up in. Uh, she's placed in a room with that off-screen character from earlier. We learn that that's a past victim who we see in this montage who survived a previous attack. Because he tried to shoot himself in the head, but it didn't kill him. It just, like, removed his jaw and he's all fucked up and shit. Uh, We also learned that Abigail is alive, question mark, which is kind of weird because you weren't (laughs) expecting a, like, supernatural element to this ending. Right. But I guess it's a cool twist (laughs) to the the film. Uh, Lisa Marie and the rest of the survivors are able to fight back, killing all the members of the Brimstone family, the Brimstone family, in grisly ways. You've got blood, guts, and acid gravy aplenty. I did like how there was an acid gravy bath Mm -hmm. at the end there. And the film ends with the group placing a bloody and beaten Abigail. And again, question mark. I'm guessing that's who that was supposed to be in all white. This white demon Abigail lady. They place her in an oven, cooking her like a turkey. (laughs) And that was the last Thanksgiving. And by the way, the cooking of Abigail plays throughout the whole uh, credit scene. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a good way to end a movie. This is all very excessive. Why don't you just have a normal fucking Thanksgiving? We are. No, you're not. You're killing and eating people. It's evil. We're not evil. We don't do this for ourselves. We do it for her. All right, bud. So, 
as Let's usual, instead of doing two things, since we have our doing five, our, our loose five minute breakdown exactly, we're gonna do right. our three favorite things about this movie. And I have a feeling one or two of these favorite things are gonna overlap because we tend to have similar tastes with certain things. Sure. But Bud, what's your your first favorite thing about this movie? There's that one scene when Lisa Marie goes to visit her boyfriend at the movie theater. What yeah. what's his name again? Denny. Uh, I think it's Buddy. Benny? Buddy, it's Buddy. Buddy, Buddy. No, Buddy, it's Buddy. Yeah, Buddy. And he's trying to tell her about his movie idea, and he he like just like kind of like blurbs out, yeah, it's like Gary Busey and Demi Moore in a movie that's a mix of Mean Girls and Sleepaway Camp. And I was like, I'm sold. I want to watch this movie. So that was that was definitely one of my one of my favorite. I I don't know how to call it. I guess it's a scene slash piece of dialogue, but I really found that enjoyable just because I think about that and I want to see Gary Busey and Demi Moore on the same screen. What I like about that scene too is that Buddy references there being a lack of Thanksgiving films. So I do like how this movie is self aware that there aren't yeah, many Thanksgiving. It's yeah, yeah, it's like super self-aware. I, I believe in the movie they reference like there being no Thanksgiving themed films at all. There's even a quick scene where we see Lisa Marie's parents and they're watching a horror hosted type of yeah. Elvira Joe Bob type show. And the dude host it's Ranger really Dooley, brief. I think it's called yeah, Ranger Dooley. It's like yeah. it's like spook spooktacular hour or something like right. that. And he goes, we don't have any Thanksgiving-themed films, so we're just going to play Friday the 13th again. Yeah, that was again. funny. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> I just thought it was like, I was like, okay, that does make sense. Even though, you know, I, I feel like a movie like this wouldn't reference Thanksgiving because they're the same type of movies, no. basically. Right. You know? And again, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to reference... Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles because that's not really a horror film. So it goes to show yeah, you again, like I said earlier sense. in the show, there's just not a lot of Thanksgiving films. What about you, Bud? What's your first favorite thing of this movie? So I I, I put two kills as like one of my okay. favorite things. So I, I love, and they both involve Mr. Pearl and Mr. Pearl Senior. So <laughs> so I love. How Mr. Pearl, the son, Junior, I guess, he's like a super nice guy in this in this movie, and he gets a horrible death. He, he gets, just wants to be with his his staff. That's all he wants. <laughs> he takes a picture with them. He's like admiring it. And when he's killed, dude, he gets killed with a fucking whisk. I don't think I've ever yeah. watched a movie where a person is murdered with a whisk. Kurt nope. takes the whisk and and inserts it through his eyeball into his head, kind of like how that, that, I forget the character's name, in Lucio Fulci's zombie with the wood splinter in the mm -hmm. eye. He basically yeah. does it with a whisk. And I even love how there's a POV shot of the eye hole as the whisk enter, enters yeah. his, his head. And it's funny because I don't think the dude realized that he took... Because I think he thinks he took a knife, but then he realized he took a whisk. And he's like, ah, I guess I'll make do with this. <laughs> and I do love how that ties into Thanksgiving because you use a whisk to cook and shit. So yeah. it is pretty funny how they can tie yeah. in the holiday with murdering someone, you know? It's, it's, I just thought that was great. And then Mr. Pearl Sr., I love how... 
in his death scene, and his honestly, his death scene, and I'll get to it in a sec, is probably the most graphic and well done, I think, in the movie. So Mr. Pearl Sr., he's in the wheelchair. I think he's like a vet or something, if I remember correctly. He's like, oh, I, I've kicked yeah. more people's asses in other countries or something like that. He says something like that. And he confronts two of the family members, and one of them's Maggie, which he kills Maggie with the sharp end of a broken uh, broom or mop, stabbing her I in the stomach. I don't even think it was sharp, dude. I think it was fucking dull. <laughs> I think he just fucking stabbed her with a with a, you know a dull end of a broom. He kicks their ass, and basically this this man's in a wheelchair. I love how he puts up a fight, and then I, I think it's Kurt. I forget if it's Kurt or Trip. I don't think it's Trip because Trip comes a little later in the film. Runs up Kurt. behind him with a cleaver and splits yeah. his head in half. It's done pretty well because the camera flips and you see the back of Mr. Pearl Sr.'s head and it like literally just folds just in the middle yeah. and blood comes out and shit. I just thought it was very yeah. like well done. That was like, fun. I love, yeah. Sure. I like how they kind of made Mr. Pearl Sr. like a badass even though he's in a wheelchair. Like, I got a kick out of that. I just thought, like, I just thought it was cool. So I just like how the father and son, I just like how they go out. I just thought it was really creative, really well done. Like yeah. you said, fun. Like, they did a good job with those two characters' death scenes. So that was, those were two of my favorite things. Or, well, one of my favorite things I'm lumping into, That's okay. into one thing. We can thing. lump two in there. Yeah. I'm about to do the same thing. All right, what's your next one? So I really enjoyed the scene. There's another scene in the movie theater where Lisa Marie goes back and they're playing the movie Santa Claus. What is it? Santa Claus takes versus the Martians, it's whatever. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. It's whatever. like a public domain movie from like right. back so in the day. It's playing and she's being chased by Trip, the 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 brother that's in the um the mask and the mm-hmm. right. And it's really well done. Like, it's almost very Giallo-like. Yeah. Like, there's all these reds, and she's being chased, and it's, it's just, I was just like, this is the same movie? Because, yeah. like, there was, like, definitely, like, some kind of artistic, like, expression put in there. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is really good. I really enjoyed that scene. And just to go with that scene, I really enjoyed the past Thanksgivings montage at yeah. the end. Where they mm-hmm. were talking about like what they used to do, because you get like a good, like kind of like a cool little look into that world of like all the people they've killed or people that have killed them, and like the different costumes and like, you know, shit they did to other families. I mean, I know that's, <laughs> I know this sounds <laughs> fucked up. Like, yeah, it was awesome what they did, but I'm just saying the montage itself was also really well done. Yeah, uh, to 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 go back to the and I I enjoyed both those things as well. I thought those were very well done. But to go back to the whole movie theater scene, it was creative to like they basically created Buddy just so he could die, so that his blood exactly. can go on the projector, so they can get that like well, I guess the light from the projector filling the room and turning it red, right? And then Trip chasing her, very much like you said. Like Suspiria, Giallo, Dario Argento. That's how I, I felt. I got the same vibe uh, you got. And you just reminded me, because I completely forgot, yeah. that I feel that is the reason why Buddy's character <laughs> is even introduced, is for that scene. Is for that entire scene running through the movie theater. I'd love to talk to Which the Which is fine. I'm totally no, fine about that. I'm cool with that, too. 
Um, I wish I could like talk to the filmmakers and be like, like what, like did you guys just have access to a theater and you were like, yo, we have to create a character. They probably did to get hit, like so that he can be killed in the projector room so that the blood can go on the glass and make the whole room red. Like that must have been honestly, this movie is small budget, but they got some good locations between the restaurant, the movie theater, the house. Like it does bounce around between. Um, different locations and and I thought they did a great job now going to the montage that you mentioned you know what I loved about the montage it felt like a trailer for like yeah that's it that's a really good way of putting it Yep. because they had like references to the 80s you could tell one of the girls had the side ponytail and like an 80s sweater and I was almost like man wow I wish I I could watch a prequel to this movie and see exactly a set like a period piece of this cannibalistic family in the 80s, even though this right. movie feels obviously very 80s, it was inspired by the 80s, but see this family murdering people in like 1985. Like, I wish that was, I wish that was something they like maybe were able to do or could do in the future. That'd be awesome. And the one thing that's interesting about the montage, which they didn't even need to throw in, but it does no. add an interesting dynamic is they were saying how sometimes the people they were hunting would kill them, would would be able to turn around and mm-hmm. kill some of them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you don't even need to do that, but it's an interesting, like, you know, it's an interesting look, for sure. <laughs> There's a great shot where they have one of the family members, he's wearing a pilgrim hat and, like, one of those, like, torso face masks with the eye holes right, cut out. Right, ski that's, mask. Ski yeah, mask, ski that's what mask. it basically looks like. Yeah. And... The girl in this quick shot takes a pumpkin, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slams it on his head, and then like a sword or a knife or something, and stabs him yeah. through the head through the pumpkin and kills him. It's such a great visual. Like I loved it. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> like I was like, that's fucking amazing. I wish I could see an entire movie leading up yeah. to that happening. Absolutely, that'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> You're only 20 minutes late. It's responsible. Why don't you go watch The Craft for the 50th time, you gargantuan poser? Why don't you eat me, malnourished nympho? I'll sleep on it, Trudy. No one gets me. So what's your second pick, bud? So so my second favorite thing about this movie is Trudy, the goth alternative post-punky girl listen listen i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you do your thing right now but i at first i have on my notes the goth character rules but i completely once once she got a few more scenes in i said nope but go ahead bud (laughs) so what what i like about this character of trudy is it's the very like stereotypical Mm -hmm. i hate the world goth girl she looks like she belongs in an eight yeah she's like violet from friday the 13th part five that's basically what she reminds me of and that's like a trope in all slasher movies for the most part you always have like the alternative goth girl who who thinks everyone sucks and everyone's terrible now what i didn't like about her was they could have done so much more with her. I also thought she was more likable than Lisa Marie, and we'll get to her a Definitely. little later. But, like, they didn't do enough with her. Like, I, I love the character. I love the concept of having that character. Even something like Night of the Demons. Like, you have that, right. even though in Night of the Demons, she's way more important, the goth girl. But 
in this movie, just the fact that that's still a thing in a slasher film yeah. in 2020, it's, it's 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that. I love how they were just like, we're going to add a goth girl that hates everyone, yep. hates the world in our movie. But I do think her, her, her death scene kind of sucked. She gets like dragged in the van and, and trip rips off her scalp. You yeah, don't it's really, stupid. yeah, you don't really see what happens to her. It's kind of, it's shot really tight. And I'm like, she was such a, a fun character to me personally that I was like, wow, you could have made her death a little more elaborate. Maybe gave her a little more to do in the movie. But otherwise, yeah. I got a kick out of the fact that they had a character just like that in in a movie nowadays, you know? So I have a bonus, a bonus like mm-hmm. that attributes to your char- to your like is yeah. um there's that scene with the two ladies in the back that are the cooks and yeah. they're like, "Oh, what did you make me?" and she's like, "Oh, a BLT. What did you make me? A BLT." <laughs> and, and then and then she wa- she's like, "You you read my mind." And then the goth girl uh walks in and she goes, "How cute. You guys should make out." I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, there's a scene earlier too, and this will go. This kind of plays into uh, Lisa Marie, but um, Lisa, I think like Lisa Marie and Trudy, the goth girl, obviously don't like each other. And Lisa Marie's like, "Lick my clit" or some shit, and I'm just like, "Jesus Christ, Lisa Marie sucked." Yeah. No, no, I wrote that down. She says, "Lick my clit, you psychotic cunt." That that's and it's funny because I feel, there you I go. feel like in. Yeah, that's a that's a you, you don't get dialogue like that in, in movies these days that often. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just feel like it's such an old stereotype that it's like I feel like if someone sees a goth kid now, they wouldn't be that dismissive or assholeish to no, them. Like no one, no one gives more, a shit. It's definitely more goths in the world. And the way the, and the way the characters are acting, you would think they're like fourteen, but they're supposed to be like in their twenties. I'm oh, guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, what's your your third favorite thing about the movie? You know, my so my final thing, and I, I don't. You might agree with this. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be one of your choices as mm-hmm. well. And I can't really elaborate on it much because mm-hmm. it's going to be a super fast uh, third choice. But yeah. the music, I really enjoyed the oh, music. Oh yeah, I, I, I was very was, surprised. I thought it was very strong. I was like, wow, they did yeah. a great job with this. Like whoever scored this, it was it was simple. Very obviously, it was, it was good though. Yeah, like, it like wasn't shitty. It wasn't shitty at all. Yeah. Like they, whoever scored this, put some time into it. Obviously, yep. inspired by like you could tell it was inspired by John Carpenter. Even one of the melodies sure. later on, mm-hmm. um, I think it's when Trip is chasing Lisa Marie in front of the house or something like that. The that piece of music sounds like a piece of music from the new Halloween movies. Like, like borderline plagiarism, not like not enough to get sued. But like, I was like, damn, that sounds just like that piece of music from the new Halloween movies. But I'll agree. A a movie like this, you need a good score. That's what sells a slasher movie. I feel it's one of the more important, especially with like the whole 80s, 90s resurgence in in film and stuff like you need that. 80s that 80s score even if the movie does doesn't necessarily take place in the right. 80s it, it's just something that i, I feel like it it, it 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 brings the the even a shitty movie 
it brings it up another notch. And oh, I sure. think I totally agree. It's one of the stronger. It's probably yep. the strongest aspect of, of this movie. Uh, my final, the final thing I like is kind of just an overall, the overall plot. I thought they did a fantastic job. It's original. I, I, the only thing I could think of is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but even still, like obviously this movie um, was inspired by the Texas Chainsaw. 100%. The character I wrote that on my letterbox yeah. review. 100% a homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But very different too. Like the character very, of very, Tri- it's yeah. very minimal too. Mm-hmm. Like the character of Trip is obviously like Leatherface, minus a chainsaw right. and like a signature weapon to murder people. And then the the whole dynamic of the family. You've got the different types of 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 I guess their characteristics are very different from one another. Um, and I can't think of another movie besides the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that has a plot like this that involves a family of cannibals. And what I like too is the family, they aren't like caricatures in the sense of like, they're not like hick, like type people, which you would expect for a movie like this, like in from the South or something like that. That's kind of the, that's right. a trope in, in any type of cannibal film or like you think of something like Deliverance or, you know, shit like that, like where it's like backwoods, like they're normal. They're very articulate, like the actors that play them, like they're, they're you know, attractive people. They're, you know, like they're right. not, it's it's interesting. And I, and I feel like the dynamic that Kurt and, um, just lost her, Cordelia have, the two of them, mm-hmm. very good. And they're honestly, the guy that plays Kurt is a good actor. I thought he did a very good job. He carries a good chunk of the movie and Cordelia does as well. Like I felt like they don't get me wrong. They're hamming it up, but I felt like I was like, wow, they did a good job with these characters. So it's funny that you bring up that you like, uh, that character Kurt, because in my notes, I do have that. I kind of didn't like him. Well, not kind of, (laughs) I wrote the brother sucks. I said, he's not believable. He's not intimidating. Just a, just a lame kind of character to be corralling, this kind of massacre. Yeah. But as you were talking and as like we were, I was just thinking of the movie while we're recording, he really does a decent job. So like, I felt like, okay, let me reassess my, my opinion on that character. (laughs) So I actually do agree with you. He does do a good job. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he's out, like he's fucking, you know, Robert De Niro over here. He's not fucking breaking. He's not like fucking killing it with the, on no, the acting but, front. Yeah, yeah. but he does carry it. And Cordelia does as well. I think the two of them do a better job more so than the like staff at Dairy's restaurant. Like, I feel like right. the, the family really carries the film. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like that. The Billy Idol looking sister died so quickly because yeah, she yeah. has like a cool look. Yeah. And you think like, oh, okay, like like she might be like a mainstay in this film, and she's not. Like she literally just has a couple nah. lines, and she's there in the background, <laughs> and she gets killed. <laughs> she's like awkwardly thrown over uh, the guy <laughs> in the wheelchair's shoulder with the fucking broom. Yeah, it's just really funny. But I was like, because she to me looks cooler than Kirk, and I yeah. was like, oh, maybe they would do something a little more with her character. But again, I, I had to, as you were saying it, I was reassessing it, and I was like, okay, you know what, he isn't that bad, so. There you go. 
Yeah, and Ma- and Maggie, that character, the Billy Idol character, she barely says anything. I think she has like two lines, like a few lines. Just and a couple like lines, said, yeah. Yeah, and and again, I'm guessing that's just because they probably needed someone else in the family to like get killed first because the other characters were carrying the film. They needed someone to bite it because you needed one of those, you know, someone in the family to be killed first. Your order's almost ready. How are you doing? Fine. I was thinking of changing my order from the turkey to a salad. But your turkey's almost ready. The cooks would crucify me. But I'm a vegetarian. Well, then why would you... Trudy! So what's something that you didn't like about the movie? (laughs) I Um... think I know. (laughs) All right, actually, go ahead. Tell me what you think it is. Lisa Marie, she's fucking horrible. <laughs> Dude, she does suck. But you know what's funny? I I have that in my notes, but she isn't like the like the because I understand the character. Yes. Like they they try to make you hate her, and then they try to like make her more redeemable because at the end. So spoiler alerts ahead. <laughs> Let's wait a second here. Okay. So like she ends up ultimately being the savior of everybody. Yeah. And she does become likable, I feel, at the end of the movie. And mm. I don't know. But her character <laughs> definitely does suck throughout most of the film. But she's not she she's not my main thing that I hated about the film. But go ahead. What, what were you just going to say? Because it looks like you wanted to add into something. So when it comes to Lisa Marie, now the actress portraying her, I think did a good job. This this is not about Definitely. the acting. This is not about the actor's acting chops. I think she did a good job. I honestly think she was very like, like very good at being not likable. But 100%. I, I see what you mean, how they tried to like redeem her at the end. Right. But I still, I even still, I was like, she's still kind of bitchy and bratty. And like, I, I was like, you were supposed, I didn't realize I was, you were supposed to be like rooting for this girl. Then I was like, wait a second. She's the final girl, even though more people survive in the group. So, way more people survive than I thought. I like that you said that because I have this in my overall statement about the film, but yeah. I'm going to say this right now. We get a final group. We don't get a final girl. We don't yeah. get a final boy. We don't get a final, you know, whatever <laughs> pronouns you use. We yeah. get a final group, which is, which was, I, I did like that a lot too. Yeah. It, it's very much like the only other slasher film I could think that does that is like Scream, which is, you know, Actually, I feel like in all the Scream movies, a group of people survive. <laughs> hold on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Hide and Go Streak has a final group. Yes. You're right. There's a group of people. I haven't watched that in a while. There's a group of people that survived that, that. But yeah, that, that, was, that was an interesting choice because there's a bunch of like fake out deaths. Like Eddie. Yep. <laughs> Eddie mm-hmm. gets... I thought Eddie was dead, but somehow so, he survived so, taking a scythe to the chest. If you want to... So th- this is this is what I have as my, as my least favorite thing. Yeah. Is that fucking line he has. You like Thanksgiving? Happy fucking Thanksgiving. <laughs> so bad. And he says it with like terrible delivery. And he was good in the movie. He's very good in the movie. Yeah, but that line is just so poorly delivered. So... And I just have the... La- I put a laughing... Uh, crying a laughing emoji at it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah what yeah, about you? 
that was Lisa Marie. She's literally my oh, least okay. favorite so thing about go. this movie. Okay. She just, I think she sucked. It is funny, though, about the, like, Eddie's line, about the, the Thanksgiving line. It's like they couldn't come up with something a little wittier. Yeah, it's pretty this. shitty. <laughs> like, you're about to be stuffed or some shit. I don't fucking know. That's corny, too. But, yeah. like, something something more creative um, when it came to, like, his final, I guess, attack on, on the group. Of the bad guys, yeah. you know. Uh, the, the one other thing, I'll, I'll throw a bonus kind of, not sure. really, it's not really a dislike. It's more of a like, huh? And that's Abigail. Like, wait, it, it's insinuated that that pale old, older woman is Definitely. their like, great ancestor. Right. But they don't elaborate on it. It's, it's kind of random. I, I actually like that. No, I, I like the concept of it, but I just right. feel like just set it more in. St- I feel like they should have set it more in. Well, I guess they kind of do because it didn't. It didn't I, bother I, me. I, that's what I'm trying to say. No, it didn't bother me. Yeah, that's why it wasn't something I completely hate. It was more like a huh because I think Lisa Marie right. has a line, or 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 Miss Perez, one of the cooks ladies that survived towards the end. I think she's like, oh, you're doing this for somebody that's been dead, and I think Kurt says dead like question mark. Because I, it's insinuated that she's alive, right. that she's, you know, um, still involved. But I feel like they could yeah. have foreshadowed that a little sooner because they foreshadow. Yeah. yeah, they foreshadow the kid in the room missing his jaw from the previous harvest of bodies that they were trying to eat and then convert him into the family and stuff to be cannibals like them. But they don't foreshadow right. Abigail being in the other room. And then that whole scene with Tyler on the floor where he's pinned to it and Abigail comes out but doesn't do anything to him. She just goes back in the room. It's just a little like I get the idea. I, I I appreciate it, but I was like, "Well, wait, yeah, maybe wait, I'm missing something." Wasn't wait? I I think we are missing. I think you are missing something. Wasn't it insinuated that they were trying to have someone to have sex with Abigail, and that's what they that's why they pinned Tyler down? Yeah, to have like a girl or boy. I think I think like Cordelia yeah, is like. Oh. I think that's what that was. <laughs> it did. Listen, dude. I think so. It did not come off as that at all. Like I did not take it. <laughs> As it literally in the movie, it looks like she exits that room, walks over to looks Tyler, at him and walks away. Yeah, I think wa- she like, like fucked him and then got up and left. But they could have like maybe had him look all disheveled and his pants I off, guess. Or, like just to like, because look, you're telling me this. Like I, I I remember Cordelia's line, like saying I hope it's a boy or some shit. She says something along those lines, but I did not take it as her having that that uh, Abigail, the old woman having sex with Tyler and then I did not take it as that at all. It was I just think like that's weird. what listen, I'm just saying I think that's what that was supposed to <laughs> insinuate, but who knows. <laughs> there you go. I did not notice that. Maybe if I watch the movie again, I'll pick, maybe there's sure. something I missed, but it, <laughs> I it did not come off as that at all to me. So, news to me, Dave, you 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 picked up on that plot point better than I did. <laughs> there we go. So, so, <laughs> so what are your overall thoughts on uh the last thanksgiving so i actually ended up finding this movie to be quite enjoyable for what i thought was going to be complete crap from the start i was pleasantly <laughs> surprised and i have to agree with you the trailer does not do this movie no, any justice it doesn't uh, it has it has some fun gore it has a really cool score 
a final group instead of <laughs> a final girl, boy, survivor. Linnea Quigley, which is always a good thing. And a few <laughs> scenes that I thought were really, really well done. This is definitely something I'd watch like every other Thanksgiving, I would say. What about you? So I agree. I, I look, Man, I went into this blind. You know, I didn't know jack shit about this movie. I, I had no clue what it was about. I read some reviews. There were people either either they loved it or they hated it. Uh, I think the people that didn't like it, the reason why they didn't like it is because they didn't understand what it was trying to be. It's trying to be a, you know, throwback slasher film. It's less than an hour. It's less than 90 minutes. So it's an easy watch. Um, It does some innovative stuff with the effects, especially it being a low budget film. I give them a lot of props. They did a lot with what I assume is not a lot of money. And, and I was quite, I was quite impressed by what they were able to achieve. And, and personally, like if you line it up and there, again, there aren't many Thanksgiving themed horror films. We've got the Thanksgiving Eli Roth trailer, which is like three minutes long. We've got the Thanksgiving (laughs) films. And then what is it? Blood rage, right? Blood rage is a Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think this movie fits perfectly with those i think it works it feels like thanksgiving and there's one 100%. thing we didn't mention earlier and i wanted to i want to mention and i'll mention it in closing that opening title sequence showing the town feels like the fucking fall they did they nailed it oh i'm happy you brought that yeah. up because it really does it really yeah, does they, capture the fall really well they captured that that thanksgiving feel which i appreciated that autumn that autumn vibe, they got it. Yeah. You know, there's there's turkey decorations. There's there's you, you see a turkey, you see food. It's about food. It's about obviously cannibals, human human flesh, but it's yeah. still about food. But yeah, it, it just it. I think it fits perfectly with that very small bunch of Thanksgiving horror. And if you've never heard of it, I recommend going out of your way and renting it on Amazon and checking it out. I think I two think bucks. our yeah I, two bucks. I think our listeners. Will enjoy it, and they should watch it right before their Thanksgiving dinner. Absolutely. Our plan's been done to death. Maggie knocks on the door, says that her van's broken down up the road and needs a phone. Eventually, there's a chase. Trip shows up, and what happens happens. One or two things may go off the rails. She might turn the tables on us, or the boyfriend will show up, but. That just means we have leftovers till Monday. So that was the last Thanksgiving. Be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Haunted Hangover, and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Haunted Hangover 31. And if you could rate and review us, that'd be greatly appreciated. And on behalf of the entire Haunted Hangover crew, we'd like to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys.